Hey guys, welcome to What's the Word? It's going to be a great, great day. We just praise God for you. Like, share, uh, Share the broadcast, hit the notification button, the little bell, and uh, comment. Let us know where you're watching from. Today we're talking about how to fill the house with the goodness of God, how to fill your life with the goodness of God, and uh, it's going to be a great one. This topic actually is really cool, and uh, let's jump right in, and the first thing we want to look at is our key verse, which is Proverbs 24 and verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read this again in the Amplified, just so you can see it. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding it is established or stable on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area, I would say every area of life, be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And so what we see is that God wants your life, and please put this in the comments, God wants my life built, established, and filled. He wants my life built, established, and filled, and He does that through godly wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. He, he builds your life, establishes it, and fills it with godly wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And so we welcome you back. Uh, last week we, we talked about, uh, first thing is how to get out of your head because a lot of people are stuck in their head. They're stuck in their logic. They're stuck in worldly thinking. And when that's going on, many times people don't have godly thinking that's actually being attributed to their life. And so they're wondering, where's this goodness of God? Where's this supernatural? Where's this overflow that I read about in the Bible? And the many times it's because we've been stuck in our thinking. And then we talked about on uh, Tuesday last week, we talked about stepping out of logic and into the wisdom of God, how to do that, and some keys along that. Then we talked about what is wisdom exactly? And then once we saw what is wisdom... How do we build the house? And then we talked about on Friday uh, how to have a stable life. And so I hope these have been very beneficial to you. Today we're talking about how to fill your house with all precious and pleasant riches, the goodness of God. And what you see is that wisdom, just to give you a quick definition of them again, wisdom is a skilled craft or applied, applying learned knowledge or something that is taught. And we know from the, from the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He will teach us all things and He will lead us into all truth. So wisdom talks about a schooling, a skill or schooling about taught things, learn things. So that happens when you and I go into the Word and we get wisdom and get understanding. We examine the Scriptures or we do what it says in Timothy, that we study to show ourselves 
self-approved. This is how. And one of the things that was so very key last week, and I want you to put this in the comments again today, put this in the comments, is, is that wisdom begins and ends with God. True wisdom begins and ends with God. In other words, you are not going to get true wisdom outside of the Lord. It's just not going to happen. And if you want your life built, established, and filled, he gives us the command to get wisdom. And in all our getting, get understanding. We have to get that from the Lord. We can't get it from any other source. So that applies not just in your spiritual walk, but it applies actually in your, in your physical job. It applies in your family. It applies in so many different things. Uh, the wisdom of God, true wisdom, the start and the finish of that wisdom is in God. So wisdom for your life, wisdom for your family, wisdom for your home, it literally is found in the Lord for all of that. And so that's why we want to study to show ourselves approved. That's why we want to go after him in that way. All right. Now, understanding is a discernment or able to separate, a mental separation and a revel or a revelation. Now, when we talk about understanding, we're talking about a supernatural revelation beyond what is taught, beyond what you should know, a supernatural revelation. And we see that knowledge is simply facts, trivia, or truths, and particularly on the knowledge of God and His Word. And so what we see here is that by wisdom, by the skill that we learn, we learn how that God will build our house and we will position ourselves for His building. Uh, by knowledge, it says, uh, well, I'll come to that in a second. By understanding, it keeps those walls established, straight up. It keeps our life plumb uh, by hearing that understanding that comes through the Holy Ghost. Supernatural revelation beyond what we've been taught, beyond our schooling, uh, beyond uh, what we should naturally know. Uh, so, And then we look at knowledge, and this is what we're talking about today, how to fill your life with God's goodness. Knowledge is this, facts, trivia, or truths, and uh, particularly own the Word of God. Now, when we see these truths, what we want to say is, what, it, it, what is this? Matter of fact, I think I read a verse... Uh, let's see if I have it here quickly. I don't think I have it here. But I read a verse uh, the other... Okay, here you go. Uh, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, the knowledge that we're supposed to be getting is knowledge of God. It's knowledge of God. It's not knowledge of, you know, like to be able to play the game Trivial Pursuit. It's not that kind of knowledge. It's knowledge of the Lord, of His ways, of spiritual things. This is the knowledge that we're after. We want to know Him. And uh, as we jump into this knowledge, I want to take you uh, one place first, and that is 1 John 4, 8. In 1 John 4, 8, it says this. Please somebody put these uh, verses in the comments. 1 John 4, 8, it says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is 
love. And so one of the things that we see, our first bit of knowledge about God is he is pure, absolute love, and his love is pointed at you. And when we see that, then all of a sudden when the devil comes, and this is what I want you to think about a lot today. When the devil comes to try and steal things from us, it is the knowledge of God that will stand in the way that we can put faith in, and that shield of faith will block every fiery dart from the devil. And just so you know, we just hit our 100th comment, and congratulations, Paul Stalins. You got the 100th comment. You win the gift card for that. And uh, anybody who wins any gift or offer that we have, uh, you can go to whatsright.com slash gift and you can claim that and we'll send it to you as soon as possible. So congratulations Paul, that's awesome. So the knowledge of God is knowledge of Him and this kind of knowledge will keep us from the attacks. We, this will keep us from the attacks of the enemy. It will keep us from the attacks of, of the evil one because we know there's no way that, that God is going to allow this. There's no way that his promises don't stand in the way between me and the Lord. All right, turn that down just a touch, please. Just a touch. Thank you. And then um, what we're looking at, let's go to, I want to show you something. Remember what we're talking about is the knowledge of God. I want, I want you to look at what the Lord wants us to know. So go to uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16. I know that many of you have read this verse, have memorized it. John three sixteen. But I want to show you something here. And I want to ask you this question. Put this question in the comments, please. What is the end goal of Jesus dying for us? What is the end goal of Jesus having died for us? What was the end result? What was the ultimate goal? What was the ultimate goal of Jesus paying the price of his life for you and I? What was the ultimate goal? And when you look at John 3.16, you can actually see it. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. In other words, the ultimate goal was that we wouldn't perish but have what? What's the ultimate goal of Jesus dying for us? Put it in the comments if you think you know. The ultimate goal of Jesus dying for us was for us to have eternal life. Now, here's the issue. Most people just think that eternal life, eternal life is uh, just going to heaven. But that's not exactly what eternal life is. That's a part of eternal life, and we get there because of our eternal life, but that's not by the Bible defined what eternal life is. Actually, eternal life is found. So the ultimate goal, and you can put this in, in the comments, the ultimate goal of Jesus dying for us is to give us eternal life. But then we need to define by the word what is eternal life so we can define what was his ultimate goal. I see many people are getting it already. Now if you go to the Gospel of John chapter 17 and verse 3, you'll see this. 
This is eternal life. Isn't it nice that the Lord made it so clear for us? <laughs> this is eternal life. And uh, it was funny when I was studying this out some years ago and just looking at it, I was like, okay, Lord, how do you define eternal life? And he told me to do just a word study on eternal life. And it immediately I was reading through these different verses. And uh, then I saw the Bible said to me clearly, this is eternal life. And I went, glory to God. That's exactly what I was looking for. And it says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, talking about the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In other words, this is eternal life, that they may know you. All right? So this is, this is the ultimate goal of Jesus dying for you, that you may know the Father and the Son. Now, that's interesting because you would think, well, if I'm born again, I know the Father, or I know the Son, and I know the Father through Him. But this word here goes deeper than that, and I want you to understand. The word there, know, it sounds like such a simple word to know something, and we think about it like, I know facts, I know trivia. But here's the issue, it's deeper than that. It means this, that I would know him uh, like a spouse knows their spouse, like a husband knows their wife. It's an intimacy, it's a fellowship, it's a relationship that goes so deep that you know who, now watch this, you know who he is. You you know what he thinks. You know what his voice sounds like. You know when he's moving. You know when he's sitting still. You know him. You get to know him. All right. So to give you an example of that, uh, for example, uh, my wife and I, we've been married uh, now. Uh, this year, it'll be 22 years uh, that we'll be married. Uh, she can just give me a look. I can give her a look, and we know exactly what each other's thinking. Uh, we can make a statement that nobody else will pick up on. You know, we have our own little secret code about things. Uh, we can say things, and uh, she and I will laugh, and everybody else will look dumbfounded, and they'll think we're silly. But we're having a good time because we know each other, right? I know, I know things that she does that other people don't see. I, I see habits that she has. She knows habits that I. I have uh, one situation that we had one time uh, talking about this type of knowledge even uh, transferred to our, our kids. Um, I could, one time I was in, um, this, was, this was awesome, and you start to realize how communication should work and how you should learn to function when you know each other. When you know each other, you know, one of the, one of the parties that know, knows each other, one of them can make a small gesture and nobody else will pick up on it. And so we were having a group that was meeting in a, a restaurant, like a conference room at a restaurant. And uh, my son was there, and at that time I think he was about four. And uh, here he is, and everybody was talking in the room. They were kind of fellowshipping and everything. Well, there were some kids playing, and they were probably 30 feet away from me. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of noise. The kids' volume started to grow louder and louder and louder to the point where it was disrupting the study that the uh, adults were having, and they just need to take it down a little bit. So in the middle of all that chatter, it was pretty loud in there, all I did was this I went like that my son at four years old because he knows me he's heard that tone of a snap before he's heard that before he heard it and from across the room 30 feet away he goes 
like this and looks at me and I just went, keep it down. And he told all the kids, hey, we need to be a little bit more quiet. This is a knowledge. Can you imagine how the church could function if they knew God at this level? This is something that I'm working on to know him more and more and more and more. I want to know him at that level. I want to know, you know, if he just, if he just breathes, you know, a sigh of joy, you know, I just want to be like, oh, the Lord is, is joy. He's happy about this. You know, I want to know, hey, if that, that troubles you. I want to know that it crosses him the instant it does. And that comes from an intimate knowledge. And this was the ultimate goal of Jesus dying for you and me. But this intimate knowledge also has another symptom to it, a very good symptom of it. When you know him, then you know what to expect. You know what to expect from him. And if you know what to expect from him, then when the devil comes and he tries to tell you some other things that aren't true, you'll say, no, this is not what God is. This is not what God would allow. No, this is not going to happen because, my Lord, I know him. This is not his character and nature, and this is not going to be what he allows. Let me give you another scripture of this. Let's go to Romans. Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 32. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. And he, and he says that, let's go to verse 31. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who is against us? In verse 32, in other words, he's talking about, hey, there's going to be things that will challenge us. There's going to be things that come against our lives. There's going to be all of these things uh, that are going to be in the way and try to come against us being more than conquerors, us being overcomers, uh, uh, you having a full and satisfied life. There's, you, there's going to be things that come against your life being filled with the goodness of God, both both tangible and intangible things. All of the goodness of God, tangible and intangible, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be attacks. He didn't say we wouldn't be attacked. He said that we could win in all of them. You know, but thanks be unto God in 2 Corinthians 2.14, who always leads us to triumph. Never, never sometimes does. He always leads us to triumph in Christ. All right, so when we see this, we've got to know he's always leading us to triumph no matter what. This is why it's so important to know our Bible. If we don't know these scriptures, the devil will throw something at us and we'll accept it as normal when it's not normal at all. It's not normal to the character of God. It's not normal to the nature of God. And you'll hear me, if you hear me preaching, I'm going to talk about the character and the nature of God and his ultimate love and everlasting love towards you and I so often because when you get to know his character, the devil can stop. He, he can't steal from you anymore. And so we are in this world, but not of it. And we're in the world, but we're kept from the evil one. And he will form weapons, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You have to see that there's going to be things that come against you, but an intimate knowledge of God will keep you. Right? Things will come against you, but an intimate knowledge of God will keep you. Right? Put that in the comments. An intimate knowledge of God will keep you. So he says, what shall we say to these things, these attacking things, if God is for us? Who is against us? 
He who did spare his own son, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how? In other words, here's what he's saying. If he would not spare his own son for us, how will he not also with his son, him, freely give us all things? How? How will he not do that? In other words, if he's not going to hold back his son, if he was going to hold back anything, it would have been Jesus. He would have kept Jesus in heaven. If he was going to hold back anything, it would have been his son. But he said, I love you so much, I'm not even going to hold back my son from you. And this, the, the writer here, Paul says, how? How, if he won't hold back his son, is he going to hold back his goodness? How is he going to hold back his protection? How is he going to hold back his wealth? How is he going to hold back his wisdom from you? How is he going to hold back his healing from you? How is he going to hold back his restoration, his deliverance, his protection? How is he going to hold that back when he didn't hold back Jesus? It's not possible. But how do you, here's the issue. Many believers don't have an intimate knowledge of God like this. They don't have an intimate knowledge of God like the writer of Romans had, like Paul had. They don't have that intimate knowledge. And because of that, when the devil attacks, instead of putting trust on his character and nature, they think because the world has taught them, this is normal. And so they receive the attack as normal instead of receiving God's character and nature as normal. And when you see this, all of a sudden this makes all the difference in the world. You can be going one way and he'll take you a completely different way. We must know him. Please put that in the comments. We must know him intimately. We must know God intimately. Now, to know him, the first thing that we need to look at is this, that God is love. He is an ultimate, absolute, everlasting love. Let me put that in the comments. God is the ultimate, the absolute, and an everlasting love. That's who he is. He's the ultimate love, an absolute love, and he is an everlasting love. He says, I'll never turn my face from you. I'll never turn it from you. you know? We may turn our face from him, but he doesn't turn it from us. He doesn't turn that love away. The only way that love ever gets turned away is if you and I make a, a willful decision to reject him and to renounce him. And that's the only way, and that is not him desiring that, that's us turning away from that love. And so, now what I want you to see is this. Let's look at some knowledge and some truth of the Lord. Let's look at some knowledge and some truth of the Lord, and let's look at some of his character and his nature. In the Old Testament, the Father is listed by many names. And these names are descriptive of the knowledge. Now, I want to show you how do we fill our house. When you get to know him intimately, his character and nature, you'll start to see that these things are normal. 
and hear this, these things should be expected into my life. I expect these things into my life. I expect and I put faith on God to be who he says he was, to be who he says he is, to be who he is to come. I expect it. I put faith on it. And what does it say about faith? Faith will overcome the lack of the world, right? We, this is the, our victory, that even our faith, faith will overcome the lack of the world. And so as we overcome this lack, how do we do it? We put faith on his character and nature. And as we put faith on his character and nature, he fills us with his character and nature. Please put that in the comments. These are key things to see the mechanics of, to understand. As we put faith on his character and nature, he fills us with his character and nature. And his character and nature is not just spiritual, but those spiritual things produce physical as well. Remember the verse, uh, Matthew 6, 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, when you seek him, his kingdom, who he is, his character and nature, and do the right things, added, physical things will be added to you in that way. When we seek him, we will find him. Remember that, that uh, Hebrews eleven six says this, that those who seek him, what are we doing? Seeking to know him, seeking to be like him, to act like him, think like him. When we seek him, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? He's a rewarder. And well, that means he's going to give to us physically, uh, tangibly, and intangibly all of the things, everything that we need, he wants to provide for us. All right? Now, let's look at some of the names or the character and nature of God that the Holy Spirit himself defined God as. The first one is this. And I'm going to go over just some general descriptions here. All of these you could break down. You could preach a message on each one of these. The first one is, you can find it in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, uh, Genesis 17, verse 1 and 2. This means God Almighty and God All-Sufficient. God Almighty and God All-Sufficient. What does this mean? This means that the character and nature of God is that he has all power and might to make happen anything he deems to happen. He has the power and the might to make anything happens that he wants to happen. And he's, he is the all-sufficient one. The all-sufficient one means this, that he will supply a sufficiency to your life everything that you need. I'm reminded of the verse of 2 Corinthians 9, that he will cause you all-sufficiency in everything. Right? This is, he wants us to have every supply that we need. We will have sufficient for everything. Remember, uh, when he, uh, we're, when Paul was dealing with the thorn, and I won't get into this doctrine too much, uh, but it, it's proven. When he said to Paul, he said, about your thorn, my grace is sufficient. What he was saying to Paul is, Paul, you're looking at me to fix it. He says, I've given you all of the sufficiency to deal with it yourself. 
Deal with it by faith. This is the victory that overcomes that thorn. Your faith, Paul. My grace is sufficient. My supernatural power, my almightiness is sufficient. My favor is sufficient. Paul, apply my grace. That's what he was saying to him. Paul, apply my grace. It's sufficient. And so we have, when we were talking about the fast, one of the things that we found was that if you will purpose in your heart to sow the seed of fasting, God will supply the supernatural seed to empower you through it. And what I talked about in the extended fast that I was in is that I found a grace that I didn't have a revelation of. I said, Lord, I need supernatural strength, I, and I need help, and I need it now. And uh, the Lord actually took me to a place where I woke up the next day. I hadn't eaten anything. It had been weeks since I'd eaten any food. And uh, I woke up the next day. I had such an overflow of strength. I literally did like three days worth of work in one day. I mean, it was a I was I was like buzzing around the house. It was supernatural. In other words, there was a sufficient grace that I had not drawn on at that level until that day. And I realized God is exactly my El Shaddai. He is sufficient. And he is sufficient for you too. No matter what you're facing, you wouldn't be in it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, you wouldn't be in the situation if you and the Lord couldn't handle it. You, he is sufficient. And he has a grace to empower you to, to be godly to put down ungodliness and to be godly. Looking at the next one, uh, this is a term, uh, Jehovah or Jehovah. This is, you can see this in Exodus 3, 14. You see this with Moses, uh, with the burning bush. And, and the Lord is speaking from the burning bush. And Moses says, who, who will I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. And so the Lord, what is he saying here? This, if you look at this and just think about it in a simplicity with childlike faith, just think about it in a simplicity with childlike faith. God says, what do you need? Question mark. You know, what do you need? He's asking you, what do you need? And you say, I need this. And God says, I am that. I am your solution. I am your answer. I am your supply. I am your sufficiency. I am the power that you need. I am the might that you need. I am the favor that you need. In other words, God was saying, it's an open-ended I am for whatever it is that you need. God is, I am that I am. He existed uh, before. He'll exist forever. He's the beginning and the end. He's always been there, always will be. He'll always be what you need him to be. There's nothing that you're going to list out. There's no blank that he can't fill. There's no problem he can't solve. There's no situation he can't cause a way of escape for you. There's no sickness he can't heal. He is, I am. Am. He's I am. Glory to God. And so that then, now watch, then he goes on to define some of those I am's to give you a knowledge of that. Can you see that once we start turning faith from the normal of the world, 
we turn our faith into the normal of who God is, His character and nature, and we put faith on that, God is bound by His Word to meet our draw and our uh, pull of faith. When we put faith, hope, and expectation on a promise, God by, is bound by His Word to fill it. And all of a sudden, you will see that, that, you will see that um, filling of every area of your life. You will see that feeling come in by knowledge of who he is and applying that knowledge. Let's look at this. So he says, Jehovah is I am. And then he says, let me show you some definitive statements about what I am to you. Uh, Genesis twenty-two fourteen, Jehovah Jireh. Genesis twenty-two fourteen. The Lord will provide. This one is, I am, this is God. Jehovah means I am. Jireh means provision. This is the Lord saying to us, I am your provision. I am your provision. The question is, have we made God ours? And have we made ourselves God, right? God's. In other words, have we given ourselves to God and have we received him as our, as our I am? Have we received him in that way? And when we have received him, then we have a right for the provider to bring provision in every way. And so what you see in this story in Genesis uh, 22 is that Abraham needed, he needed a provision. And all of a sudden he turns around and there's a supernatural provision, a ram with its horns caught in the bush. And what's very interesting, I heard Keith Moore tell a story one time. He said, if you look at the word provision, what you see is a vision and pro vision is the root. Pro means to see before. In other words, he saw before. And God said, I see what you're going to need, and I'm going to provide. I'm going to bring about the vision I have for your life, and I will start it in enough time so that when you need it, I'll start it before, so that when you need the provision, it'll be sitting right there for you, just like that ram. You know, earlier that morning, what was that ram doing? He's walking around. He just thinks, I'm going to go to the top of the hill. I'm going to stick my head in this bush and get caught. And all of a sudden, Abraham turns around, and there's provision for him right in that moment. God is seeing ahead in your life to exactly what you need, having the provision sitting there at the exact moment that you want it, at the exact moment that you need it. We just have to put faith on God that he is Jehovah Jireh and God saying, this is knowing him, I am provision. He is your provision. He is that provision. He's your provision in what area? What area do you need him to provide for? What area is it that you need? And so now let's look at this. Uh, the next one, Exodus 15, 26. Jehovah Rapha. And Rapha or Rophe. Rapha is what most people say. Jehovah Rophe. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord my healer. He says this, Jehovah, I am your healing. I am your healer. I am every bit of help that you need. I am divine health. I am, I am every bit of help that you need. I am divinely the healing that will provide in your body. And the Lord says, this is my name. Now, I want you to see this. Please hear this. 
When you see words like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, I'm your healer, I'm your provision, the Lord says, I change not. If he was healing when he wrote this, he is healing today. If he was provision when he wrote it, he's provision today. For him to not be our healer when we need healing is for him to change his character and nature. And can you see now how the devil will try to twist things, how he'll try to turn things and say, well, he, he's not going to heal you today. Well, in order for him not to provide healing for you, he would have to change his whole nature. He'd have to change his whole character. And so the devil actually strips the goodness of God and blessings out of, out of our house because he'll get us to question the character and nature of God, get us to question what Scripture has said. Because if we're questioning that, where's our faith? Our conscience then is seared because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, and we've seared that confidence that we have. So our conscience is seared, and the Bible teaches us that when our conscience is seared, our faith doesn't operate. And so now if we overcome by our faith, this is the victory that overcomes the world or the lack of the world by our faith, and he's caused us to doubt the word, then is there any other way that I'm going to overcome when God has said this is how you're going to overcome? No, there's no other way. This is how we're going to overcome, by our faith. And so the devil says, okay, I can't change who God is. I can't change that he gave the promise, but what can I change? And your enemy says, I can change their confidence in the word. And if I can get them questioning what God actually is to them, you know, he really is the healer. He really is the provider. But if I can cause them to question that and get their faith not working, then he says ultimately they won't receive it because that's how they're going to overcome. And so that's where we need to know the scripture better than he does. We need to know the scripture inside and out. And you got to remember that the scripture was, Jesus was the word made flesh. They go together like this. When you see it in scripture, that's who God is. When you see uh, this Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, his, our provider, our healer, you know this is who God is and it doesn't change. And when I I put faith on it, faith goes to work, and God is bound by his word to bring it to pass in our lives. He's bound by his word. But so we've got to know him. So you can see how even if we've known him, but then we let go of that for a season because we haven't uh, studied in the word for that time, then our faith can get weak on the subject. We want to keep, remember God said this, meditate, he told Joshua, meditate on the law or meditate on the word day and night. Meditate on it. Don't let it depart from your mouth and, I'll, and then you will make your way successful. You will make your way successful. See, we receive power from God to uh, apply God's principles. And so, in other words, we're not just making our way successful by ourselves on our own power. God's given us supernatural grace to do those things, to study about him, to know him, to get into faith, and to apply that faith. So we lean on God for the power to live our life godly uh, through his grace, and then we apply it. But if we're not giving ourselves to study to show ourselves approved, examining the scriptures, spending time in intimate fellowship with the Father, then we won't be strong, we won't be strengthened, and we'll come up to a challenge and, and our, we won't have built ourselves up. 
and we won't be, we would not have applied the strength that, uh, that we could have. For example, um, and then the devil, he'll try to uh, get us to trip over a doctrine and think that God won't give it to me for this period of time. Well, I've done this and, you know, he, sometimes he heals, sometimes he doesn't. And then all of a sudden the healing that needs to be in our house to fill our house with the goodness of its healing won't be there because we've not done what we needed to do. We've not spent time in intimacy. We've not spent time with him. So, for example, uh, if you can imagine this. Let's say that a runner is running a race, right? And, uh, in, and the runner is running the race, not his trainer. His trainer is sitting there. His trainer will teach him how to run the race. His trainer will get him the right food so he has the right diet to run the proper race. His trainer will do all of those things. But let's say that the trainer provides food, provides training, but the runner never uh, has any contact with his trainer. And he doesn't eat to keep himself strong for the race. And he doesn't listen to the trainer to learn how to race better. Then that runner's going to have a pitiful race. And it's not the trainer's fault. The food was there. The, the nourishment was there. The grace, the power was there. Uh, but not the runner's desire to eat of it or partake of it. And the wisdom was there. You know, the word was there to train us, to give us the knowledge. But the desire of the runner was not there to learn and to grow. And so, yeah, they may finish the race, but it will not be where they need to be. It will be far behind where they need to be and where they could have been. Well, see, the Lord has given us his instruction. Here's the training that we have, and he'll give more to us, you know, like through understanding as well, supernatural revelation. He'll give more to us. But a lot of times people are like, well, I just don't feel like it. They won't pull on his grace to do the things that they should. So, for example, like with fasting. Uh, with fasting, most people, as soon as they hear fasting, they will not say, Lord, give me the strength to fast. I, I receive your grace by faith to fast. And so they won't fast because they think it's going to be too hard. In other words, they're drawing from their own nourishment and their own thinking of nourishment instead of drawing on what the Lord has already said, I will give to you. I'll give seed to the sower. I'll give you supernatural grace to be godly or to deny ungodliness, like it says in Titus. I'll give you supernatural strength, supernatural power, supernatural favor. And so many Christians are sitting there and they're running this race like, oh God, this is so hard. This is so hard. And it wouldn't be as hard if they would fast. But they say, well, fasting's hard. It wouldn't be as hard if you knew the scripture that told you he'll give you supernatural strength. See, I, I would say even in this fast, you know, we're, we're doing a 21-day fast here at the church. And uh, in this fast, I've heard multiple people say this fast, and probably because of the teaching and training, this truly has been the easiest fast that I've ever done. It's been one of the easiest I've ever done. I've had that testimony. My wife has had that testimony. I've heard several people say, it's not that it didn't have challenges, but when the challenges came up, I would say, Lord, I receive from your grace right now in Jesus' name. Strengthen me. Lord, I'm hungry for you. I want to know you. I want to be trained by you. I want more of you, Lord. I, I'm asking you, and I'm believing right now, according to what you've already said, by faith I have this supernatural grace to fast. 
Yeah, Serena just said it's one of the easiest ones she's ever done too. And so what you see is many people are called to do great and mighty things, but they don't know the character and nature and promises of God that they already have. They don't know the training or the food or they see it, but they're not partaking of it. When we know Him, when we get into His Word and allow the Lord to empower us to get after Him, to study, to examine the Scriptures, to be in intimacy with God, He will empower us with more revelation than we've ever had before. He'll show us more knowledge of Him, more of who He is, His character and nature, than we've ever had before. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at the next one. Uh, Exodus 17, 15. This is Jehovah Nisi. This is the Lord my banner, or Jehovah I am Nisi banner. It says, the Lord is saying, I am your banner. I am a beacon of hope. I am your inheritance, your heritage. I am your beacon of hope. I am your heritage. In other words, like a banner in war. As long as you could see your flag flying, you would know your side has not lost. I got to keep going. We can't lose. Uh, there's a strength. There's a power. There's a banner. There's a standard that's backing me. God's still on the throne. No matter how dark the world gets, He is my banner. He's my beacon of hope. He is, he is my heritage. He is everything that I'm after. He su supplies for me. I have a reason to keep going. And here's the thing. When is he not going to be your banner? When is he not going to be a beacon of hope? Never. But many people choose to put on blinders and never look up. They look at the world, but they never look up to see their banner. Many people look at the world, but they never look at the book to see their banner, that he is their hope. He, he is still going. He's still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still winning souls and making disciples. He's still healing people today, you know. A lot of people, they don't even think God does miracles or healing. We've had healing and miracles just in the last month at our, at our services. We've had the power of God, supernatural. Next thing is Jehovah Makadesh, or this is the Lord, my sanctification, or this is Leviticus 20 and verse 8, Jehovah Makadesh. Uh, and, and I may be pronouncing these not uh, you know, in full Hebrew. But uh, I'll get, I'm giving them to you in Southern English. How about that? And uh, the Lord, my sanctification, I am your holiness. So now watch this. How many people have tried to, don't you know, let me give you this first. Uh, the Lord is not withholding any good thing for those who walk uprightly. Now, what does that verse tell us? That God will give us every good thing if we will walk in holiness. God will give us every good thing if we will walk in holiness. And what's the Lord saying here? When you need help to walk holy, I am your holiness. 
I am your sanctification. I am the one who makes you sanctified. I am the one who brings you to holiness. I am the one who will empower you to holiness. In other words, these are the character and natures of God that we're talking about, and he will bring these things about. See, we'll sit here and struggle many times in our life trying to do it on our own power, and God's saying, I've got your power. I've got your answers. Turn to me, and I will help you walk holy. Turn to me, and I will help you walk sanctified. Glory to God. Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord my sanctification. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. This is uh, Judges 6, 24. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. He says, I am peace. I am peace. Not only I am your peace, I am peace. When I show up on the scene, peace ensues. Peace is manifested. And what happened when the storm came and Jesus, who was the exact representation of the Father, he says, peace be still to the storm. And immediately peace was in the storm. In other words, do you understand? Peace is a weapon against the terror and confusion of the enemy. Peace is a weapon. And all we have to do is employ that peace. He is our peace. Can you see? Now, just going through these real quick, uh, look at these. The first thing, the Lord El Shaddai, He is all-sufficient. In other words, your house will be filled with knowledge. When you have knowledge of God, your house will be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What precious and pleasant riches come out of knowing that God is all-sufficient? Your life will never lack sufficiency ever again. What about when he says, uh, I am Jehovah Jireh? Then you will always have provision for the rest of your days. When you have Jehovah Rapha, you will always have healing. When you know that you know that you know this, when you know this intimately, you will have healing ready for you at the ready for the rest of your days. Divine health. Jehovah Nisi, he's your banner, your beacon, your hope. He's, he is your uh, heritage. He's always there for you. He's always alive. He's always in power. See, when we know this, then we won't be sitting in dark and gloom going, I wonder if God's going to help me this time. No, he's my banner. He says, set your eyes on me. Set, set your eyes on me. Jehovah Makadeh. You will be holy. You will be sanctified. And because you're walking righteously in holiness, you will have all good things. What good things are those? All spiritual good things, all fleshly good things, all physical good things, a good job, good car, good, good home, a good peace about you. He is your peace. In other words, I will have peace in my home. I will, I will have peace in my home in Jesus' name. And so you see that as we go into these, now all of a sudden God is filling your house. And it's not with small things. It's with mighty things, right? Great things. Uh, Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God. He says, I am God. <laughs> I am God. In case you've forgotten, I'm God. You know, the, in one of the scriptures that comes to mind, is where it says, the heathen will rage. I think we've seen a lot of that in the last few days. The heathen will rage. But we can look at this intimate knowledge of the Lord and see the heathen will rage. But he is God. 
He's on the throne. He's God. He's, he's ruling. He's bringing his will to pass. And so we don't move out of fear. We move out of faith. God is God. He is almighty God. Uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness, the Lord my righteousness. He says, I am righteousness. He says, I will make you righteousness. Uh, this is Jeremiah 23, uh, 5 and 6. Jeremiah 33, uh, 16. This is, I, he's saying, I am your righteousness. In other words, where we thought we didn't stack up, God says, I will make you stack up. I will bring you to that right place. I am your righteousness. And he said, turn to me. I'll show you how to walk right. I'll, I'll teach you the right ways. I'll put you in the right place at the right time. I am your righteousness. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord my shepherd. In other words, he is the one who oversees my life. He's the one who guides me. He's the one who protects me. He's the one who leads me to food. He's the one who sets me in front of my enemies and my cup. He's the one who fills my cup and it runs over. He shepherds my life. And he is that shepherd. Even when I feel like stuff isn't going right, I know that my shepherd is overseeing my life. And if I will listen to my shepherd's voice, listen for his voice, I will hear from him. I will know him. I will, I will, he'll lead me exactly where I need to go. I won't fall into the pit or into the trap. He'll keep me on the path. Even though I might be in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil because he is with me and he'll guide me and he'll strengthen me. His rod and his staff, that means the one that guides and the one that beats off the enemy. He is my shepherd. Glory to God. And Jehovah Shammah, this is Ezekiel 48, 35. And that means the Lord is there or it's God saying, and, and listen to this, I am present. I am present, backing up to the shepherd, the Lord my shepherd. This is literally God saying, I am shepherding you. I am overseeing you. This is a promise. All of these are characters of God, natures of God. This is also promises of God. This is who he is. Uh, he says, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. I am present. God is present. See, no matter how you feel, no matter what you see, this is his character. This is his nature. He says, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. He said, I'm present. I'm there. He sees what's going on. He knows what's going on. You are not alone. Put it in the comments. I am not alone. And that means no matter how you feel, no matter what you see, you are not alone. The Lord is present. And then the last one on this line is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. This is Isaiah 124, the Lord of hosts. He says, I am in command. He is the, the leader of the angel armies. He is the Lord. Uh, that's in charge of every military thing spiritually. He has armies. Remember Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of angels. He's the Lord of hosts. God is not uh, lacking. Remember this, <laughs> 12 legions of angels. He said one angel in one night uh, took out 185,000 soldiers. One angel, 
One night, 185,000 soldiers, we have that story. 12 legions of angels, 12 legions of angels, that's thousands of, of angels per legion. He could call 12 of them. It's enough to wipe out every person on the face of the earth just like that overnight. They're so strong and so powerful, so strong and so powerful, and the Lord has control of them all has control of them all. And listen, so in other words, what you worried about? Put it in the comments. What have I been worried about? And the thing is, we shouldn't be worried about anything. Lord, we thank you that you are the Lord of hosts. You are in command. Thank you. And then we look at Jesus. He is the Christ, the anointed one of God, carrying the anointing that breaks every yoke. He's our Savior, and that means He saves us in these ways. He delivers us, protects us, saves us, heals us, preserves us, makes us to do well, and makes you whole or restores, restores you. This is who He is. This is His character and nature. What do you, the question is not, what's He going to save us from? The question is, what do you need saving from? If you need saving from it, He has the ability to save you, and He wants to because it's His character and nature. He will deliver you if you're bound up in, the, in a problem. He will protect you from everything. He will save us. Listen, He'll save us from ourselves where we were enemies, helpless, and enemies of God, sinners and helpless sinners and enemies of God. He, that's the time that he came and died. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from a spiritual position that we didn't have God, and he takes us to that. He's always in the act of bringing about his salvation. He's paid the price for it all. He heals us. He preserves us. He prospers us, and he restores us. He restores us. It's who he is. And when we know this, when the devil tries to bring in a bunch of junk in our house and steal the God's goodness from us, we'll be like, no, he's my deliverer. He's my protector. You know, one time I had, give you an example of that. One time I had a situation where, um, one time I had a situation where I was having bad visions and dreams of catastrophe. Uh, one of the recurring things was that I kept like imagining uh, wrecks, that my family was in car wrecks and the cars were mangled and my family was bloodied and hurt very badly, if not killed. And I kept having these visions. And because I knew the Lord, I was like, I, something stood up on the inside of me. That knowledge stood up on the inside of me and said, wait a minute. He is my Savior. He's our protector. This is not right. He, and I know from Jeremiah 20, my knowledge of him, right? My knowledge of him is that he has no plans for my calamity. God has no plans for your calamity. And so I knew, I was like, wait a minute. These are not in God's plans. This is not God's plan. His plan is to keep me. His plan is to protect me and my family. His, his plan is for me to do good, to fare well. That's his plan. And so I recognize this is my job to apply faith here, rebuke these thoughts 
this is not God, this is not his plan, and my knowledge of, of God and my knowledge of Christ saved me and brought it to my attention that this was wrong. And so immediately I started praying with faith, and those dreams, those visions, all that stuff went away very quickly. And, uh, but here's what I want you to see. Why was the, what was the devil trying to do? He was trying to get me to get, he was trying to give thoughts to take my eyes off of Jesus, off of his character, off of his nature, meditate on that, get in fear, and now fear would open up the door for tragedy and calamity to come. Fear would open up that door for tragedy and calamity to come. And that's what the devil was after. That's what the devil was trying to get me to. In other words, he was trying to steal from my home what God had filled for me to farewell, help for my family, all of these things. He was trying to steal and put calamity in its place, but he did it with thoughts. But my knowledge of God kept the welfare of God, kept the blessing of God in our home. It kept it in our family. It kept that protection. You have to see that the devil is always trying to steal the seed of the word, the seed of knowledge of God, to steal the seed of who God is. And look at this, but what, who is Jesus to us? 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, not to play around with them, to destroy it. When I applied what, who Christ was in my life, it destroyed every bad dream. It destroyed every, every uh, evil thought that he was trying. It destroyed the works of the devil. And of course, there was never any bad accident or anything like that. That was what he was trying to get me uh, to accept. But he can't do it. We are kept from the evil one by faith in Jesus' name. Thank Thank you, Father, for your protection and your grace. On, on the merits of your love, thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you, Lord. We just praise you and we worship you and we give you glory. Amen. And the last look at knowledge of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's our power. He's our teacher. He is here in such a way Jesus thought so much of the Holy Ghost. He said, I got to go away so I can send the Holy Ghost. And watch what happens when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Knowledge of him. Acts chapter 9 verse 31. It says, so the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it continued to increase God wants to increase your house he wants to build your house he, he wants to build your house he wants to increase it he wants to establish your house he wants to fill your house he wants to fill your life with all precious and pleasant riches not the cheap stuff Put, it, put that in the comments. God wants to fill my life, but not with the cheap stuff. Amen? <laughs> but not with the cheap stuff. With the good stuff. Precious and pleasant riches. He wants to fill my life with precious and pleasant riches, comma, not the cheap stuff. <laughs> not the cheap stuff. And so in order to have your life built, established, and filled, it'll be built on the wisdom of God. It'll be established on the understanding of God, and it will be filled with all precious and pleasant riches through the knowledge of God. Let's get to know Him. Let's get the wisdom of God. Let's get the understanding of God. Let's get to know Him. 
And tomorrow I want to talk about how do we step into all three of these things? How, how to have an intimate fellowship with God. How to have an intimate fellowship with God. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Because through that intimate fellowship, through that intimate fellowship, God will give us his wisdom, God will give us his understanding, and God will give us his knowledge, and he will fill us with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's just pray right now. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just pray for every person that's watching and listening to this, whether it's live or in the replay. Lord, right now, I just ask that you would fill them. Fill their lives with all precious and pleasant riches. Give them, help open up their minds to the knowledge of you. Lord, feed them through their spirit, man. And Lord, let their, let their mind, will, and emotions grow. And let them have wisdom, have understanding, and have knowledge. Thank you, Father. Lord, we want to know, how do we walk with you? How do we walk with you in intimacy? How do we have these things on a regular basis? Lord, we just thank you for it and we praise you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for filling us. Thank you, Lord, for overflowing us. Just receive right now. I just want you to know, if you're, not, if, you're not, um, if you're new to these things, the Lord is pouring out right now in your life. He's pouring out wisdom to you. He's pouring out understanding and knowledge. He's just pouring out an impartation of his goodness in your life right now. I can sense it. He's pouring into me right now. He's pouring into you. Just receive. Just say this with me. Say, Father, I receive everything you have for me right now. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Father. Just receive that. Just receive that. See, a lot of people think, you know, that they're so smart in the world, and they're like, well, I don't know what he's doing now. I'm going to go ahead and click off, and they miss actually what's happening spiritually. So of the world, they might be smart, but spiritually, they're not. And uh, glory to God. Kevin said, this is just what I have needed. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's, that's awesome. God is so good. But many people click off because, well, it's boring to my mind. You need to stop letting your mind tell you everything to do, and you need to let the Spirit of God tell you what to do. It's not just about what you think and what you think you know. It's not just about um, what your mind is saying at that point. Many people, they listen uh, to their mind that's still uh, unrenewed in a lot of spiritual things. And uh, they listen to it like it's the king of everything. And truly, they made their soul uh, the god of their lives. And what we need is we, need, we don't need our soul. And we don't need our mind, will, and emotions, which is our soul. We don't need our soul to be on the throne. We need the Lord to be on the throne. And the Lord leads us and guides us through our spirit man. You can see it in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and verse 16. Uh, we need the Lord to be leading us and guiding us in that way. 
And uh, sometimes the Lord has led me as I'm preaching and uh, to be boring. He's told me be boring. He's told me be quiet, be monotone. And, and part of it is an exercise of the people uh, to learn how to put their flesh down, to learn how to put it down and listen to the spirit of the Lord instead of what their mind is saying. Many of us need to exercise that much more. That's one of the things that fasting does. Fasting is a very good exercise of those things. And uh, we need to do that on a more regular basis. We need to be uh, one time, you know, in the church uh, without question. The Lord said, uh, um, said to me, uh, one time in the church, the Lord said to me, keep preaching, go longer, preach longer. And the more that I preached, uh, the more people didn't like it. And what you saw was everybody being led by their flesh. Many times when you see a more analytical message, uh, you'll attract analytical people, but uh, the people that want all the, you know, flair, they'll move on. And you need to learn, if you're going to walk in the spiritual things of God, you've got to learn how to wait on the Lord. See, even what I'm talking about right now, I can feel a release right now to talk about this with the people that have hung around. But there have been multiple people that have already left because we started praying or whatever. They don't know how to, I've watched this so many times, so many times, how people will not apply discipline to their lives and they'll never grow where they should in the things of the spiritual things of God because they've not learned how to apply that discipline. You have to learn how to apply discipline, not get weary in well-doing, not be moved by your soul. And uh, as we do this, you'll grow in the things of God and God will pour out on you. Praise the Lord. So today, uh, if you would like to sow into uh, the Lunch Plus and sow into the broadcast, uh, we sow this for free into the world every single weekday, and we praise God for it. If you'd like to uh, give and sow into that, you're welcome to do so. In, in Facebook, you can type in the comments, hashtag donate, followed by the amount, or you can go to give, www, for what's right, uh, GiveWW.org, and you can give one time or you can partner with us and you can give uh, you know, on a regular basis, on a recurring basis. But what we want to do every single day is we want to uh, pray for every seed that anybody gives. Seed to us is very precious in the Word of God. The seed is so precious because it represents life and it represents the future. It represents the overflow that's going forward. And so I don't care if you give one penny or if you give you know, $10 million. I don't care. Uh, each one of those is important, and we see it and esteem it as very important to us. And so, Father, right now, we just esteem anything that anybody has given whether they're giving it live or they're giving it later, Lord, anything that anybody has given, Lord, we see the importance of it, the value, the esteem, and Lord, we esteem it and we praise you for it. We give you all of the glory. Father, take that seed, multiply it by your grace and bring a quick and supernatural returned harvest. Lord, let it be supernaturally quick, not just quick, but supernaturally quick. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. We love you so very much. Barrett's going to wrap it up. I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to talk about how to flow in true fellowship with God. That'll be tomorrow. I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. Here she is. That was 
Awesome. Did you need to be reminded of who God is for you? Oh my goodness, I sure did. Hear this broadcast. Go back and rehear this broadcast. Then go back and hear it again. Like this is one of those that you can literally hear over and over and over and you're not going to reach the depths of it. So go back, re-listen to it and share this broadcast with somebody who needs to hear it. We thank you so much for being on with us today. And we are excited to remind you that Kickstart 2021, guys, we are so close to Kickstart 2021. In like three Sundays, it's here. Kickstart 2021 is February 7th. We're almost done with January. February 7th through the 12th with Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and Pastor Brian Wright. Evangelist Ted and his family are going to be here with us. And I have it on pretty good authority that Evangelist Ted is bringing up posse. Like his people are coming. It's going to be awesome. And we want you to be one of those people as well. If you do not live here in town, if you're from out of town thinking about traveling in, we're actually going to hook you up with some special rates here at our local hotels to make it easy for you to come in. If you have any questions about it, feel free to send us a message. We'll get you all that information. We've got special rates for you. We'll let you know the, the best places to eat here in town. It's going to be awesome. And really, we've got some good food, but that's not why you're coming. You're coming for the word. It's going to be powerful and great. February 7th through the 12th, each night at 6.30 p.m. here at Boomerang. We want you to be a part of it. So come on out. It's going to be great. And we love you tomorrow. We're back live again at 11.30 for another episode of Lunch Plus. Set your reminders. Set your notifications. Set an alarm on your phone. Kevin Nowicki has one for five minutes before the broadcast goes off. Set reminders. Be here live tomorrow, 1130 a.m. We love you, and we'll see you tomorrow.